What I am sharing with you tonight is uh, something that the Lord has been speaking to me for a while as, we, as I was preparing for 2017. Um, so I, I will just start by saying, I mean, it's New Year's Eve. This is, this is the time of the year where, you know, the trees go bare. I was out running today, and um, I really used to not like... January and winter time and all that very much at all because I'm like, oh, it's cold and oftentimes rainy and it's not pretty or it's not fall leaves or spring flowers or anything like that. And I'm like, oh, can we just get through it, you know? But I've learned to really appreciate this time because everything's stripped down. Even like with the trees, everything's stripped down. And so all the hustle and bustle is finished and um, all the chocolate and chocolate and chocolate, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to finish with the chocolate, you know, and sugar, and we're going to clean stuff out and move forward, you know. So I appreciate just the simplicity of January and this time to focus on the new year and to get ready for the new year. So what I feel like, as, as I was preparing for the new year, I really felt the Lord say that we are about to enter in the greatest season in the history of the church, at least the American church. Yes, right? Yes, amen. So um, I think, you know, we we look at each new year and it's like, okay, what's this new year going to bring? What's this new year going to bring? What's going to bring? It's going to be something awesome. But this, to me, felt different. It it felt like... Okay, let's look at big picture, big picture church. And with the American church, at least, this season is going to be like none other, none other. This next year, but even this next season. And this is not a political message at all, but whether you voted for Donald Trump or not, fine with me. It's not, you know... Democratic or Republican or whatever, but I I really feel with Donald Trump being president that that is the hand of God. It is from the people praying, and and God gives people in nations what they ask for, and we have asked for a change, and we we are seeing that, and we are going to see. He's put this man in office, and not that he's perfect, and honestly, y'all, when he first started running, I was like, is this a joke? Like, are we, is, Marty, you see that? You know, you're fired. You know, and I'm like, this can't be real. But I do feel like what he's doing, his relationship with Israel, his, the, the platform that he will give the church, it is time. This is the time for the church she has a platform to stand on. And it's not about him. And it's not about Republican. It's not about Democratic. It's about the church. The church having a place to stand up. Um, The other thing is, I really feel that Pathway is going to have a huge part in what happens in our nation. A huge part. And it can seem... We are... Uh, Marty and I were talking about this today. In size, we are a medium-sized church in the nation. Uh, if you look at all the statistics and everything, most churches are like 80 people. 
Um, and we're not 80. We're not gateway. We are, you know, mid-sized church in the nation. But several, I've been praying since the beginning of this church uh, and asking God, why Longview? Why Longview? Why Longview? And along the way, I felt like he's given me pieces of the why Longview. Part of that, I think, is the prayers of the saints that have gone into this soil of this um, spiritual land, praying for revival here. But also, a couple of months ago, um, through a series of messages and things, what I felt like the Lord showed me was, it's Okay, so when Bill Johnson says there are studies that show when revival happens in a land, that land is physically healed. And I started connecting, okay, God, what you're doing at Pathway and the significance of the land here in East Texas and oil and gas, and if we have spiritual revival coupled with the, the oil and gas industry coming back, and we have the abundance, spiritually and financially, there will be no stopping this church. There will be no stopping the influence that we can have on our nation. And, and when the American church rises and wins, the church in the world wins, because we have that much influence. So I really want y'all to hear from tonight that Pathways part in this next season is very significant. And don't miss it. And don't think, God does, God works in the small all the time. God works in the insignificant all the time. And I know we individually can feel in, insignificant and we can feel like, oh, we're just this, well, we're medium-sized church in East Texas. That's what God loves to do. He loves to take the East Texans and the insignificance and do something great. So this is our season. And I, I, I don't want any of us to miss it. I want everybody to get on board and, and take part in it. So the other thing, just um, Isaiah 9, 7 says, of the increase of his government, Jesus' government, and of peace, there will be no end. His government is constantly increasing. And at Pathway, our prayer is not, God, please bless what we do. Our prayer is, what are you doing? Where is, where is your government going? And help us know our part in increasing your government. Show us what you're doing so we can play our part in that. Um, okay, so as I was preparing for 2017, the Lord took me to Habakkuk. Habakkuk, Habakkuk, this is a weird word. Who knows how to say it, but we're going to go with Habakkuk tonight, okay? Um, and Habakkuk 2, 2 says that um, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. So God gives us vision. He gives us a vision for the body of Christ. He gives us vision for pathway, and he gives individuals vision our part is to spend, some, spend time with the Lord and hear what that vision is. And then he says to write it, write the vision and make it plain. So some, some steps to 
you feeling your death, you fulfilling your destiny, you being, you playing your part with pathways, pathway plays its part in the nation, is to spend time with the Lord. Get an, a, a vision for yourself. Get a vision for your family. Get a vision of, for what you're supposed to do at Pathway. Write it down. I'm reading a book right now that's called Write It Down, Make It Happen. And there's story after story after story after story of people who write things down. They can throw them in a drawer and never look at them again and three years later pull it out and go, wow, that happened and that happened and that happened. Just from writing it down. And that is what the word of the Lord is. Spend time with me. Get a vision for yourself. Get a vision for your family. Write it down so that you can run with it. Because this is a year, this is not the year to go status quo, same thing we've always done. This is the year to run with it so we don't miss what the Lord is doing. Um, So the next thing is vision. So I, I really feel like our part, mine and Marty's part, the staff's part, is to set vision before you. Um, so I, what, what I want y'all to do is I want to take you on a little journey and I want you to pause, like we have plans for New Year's Eve and what are we doing tomorrow and life start, is going to start running again and we can get so um, inward focused and, and looking here. So what I want you to do tonight is just pause and take a step back and look at the big vision of the church, the body of Christ, the universal church? <laughs> what, is, what is the big vision of the universal church, of the body of Christ? That is Matthew 6.10. 6, Jesus asked, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the big vision. It is the vision to make earth look like heaven. So then what is the mission of the church, the universal church, I guess is what we're going to call it, the big church? Um, Matthew 16, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 16 says, um, this is where Jesus had asked Peter, okay, who do, the, who do people say I am? And Peter was saying, you know, this person, this person, this person. Um, and then Jesus said, but who do you say I am? And then Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay. Jesus is building his church with a purpose and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I think about, will you just leave that up for a minute? But thing, I, I was thinking through people that I know, people that I'm close to, what your 2016 was like. Oh my gosh. It's like the gates of hell are attacking me you know, over and over. And like what people have walked through this year. But you know what? The enemy did not prevail against you. You survived it. You, you rose up. You fought through it. You endured it. I was reading through Revelation the other day, too, about how the saints must endure. They must endure. They must endure. We have to endure because there is an all-out war against us. But we keep fighting. Keep fighting. 
keep fighting. And the promise is the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus says right there, he's, he has the authority, but he's given it to us. And our part is to use those keys to bring heaven to earth. Okay, so I just wanted to read that part of it to know that you, for you guys to know, you have authority. And then Matthew 28, 16 is our mission. It's the great commission, right? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's Jesus. And then we just read that he gave us that authority. So our mission is to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And thank you, Arian, for your word about... um, God never leaves us or forsakes us. That was awesome and beautiful. But this is, this is, if you're stepping back and looking at the big mission of the church, this is it. This is what we do. So at Pathway, how do, how do we do this at Pathway? At Pathway, we've broken it down into the four Bs. And I know y'all, y'all hear that. We talk about the four Bs a lot, but this is our mission. This is how we are doing our part of the Great Commission, and that's to help everyone believe in Christ, belong to a family, become a disciple, and build God's kingdom. That's our part. So the next thing for you to know is, what is yours? What is your vision? What is your mission for this next year? Spend time with the Lord. Ask him what it is. He wants to tell you. Then write it down and make it plain so you can run with it. Okay, so what, what is really neat to me is looking at the four Bs of Pathway. We have um, believe, belong, become, and build. And when we first started the church, um, Marty was... He was preaching. He was ministering already. He obviously he has a big personality, big spirit. You know, he he's go big or go home. You know, with him. So I love that about him. Taking over the world. I love that. But he he could preach the paint off the walls, and he could line people up and have a word for every single person in the line. He could pray for people and see them slain in the spirit. You know, I mean, it was just like. It, it could have, that, that's who he was before we started Pathway. But as we started Pathway, God spoke to him and said, I want you to lay that down. I, do, I don't want you to go in there guns blazing and build this church because it would be so easy, especially in East Texas, for then it to be the Marty Strait show. And that's not what, God, what Marty wanted. It's not what I wanted. It's not what God wanted. Didn't want the Marty Strait show. We wanted to build this church the way God wanted. And so the first thing that God said was to build a culture of grace. So if we're looking at the four Bs, the culture of grace is to help everyone believe in Christ. So grace, I won't spend a whole lot of time on this, but because we do talk about grace so often here, and we will always, always talk about grace here. 
always, because that is the foundation of our lives. Grace, I, I have a sentence that I say to myself about grace. Grace is, I don't deserve it, but it was provided for, so I'm going to step into it. So whatever it is, let's say finances. Okay, I don't deserve to walk in abundance. I don't. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Doggone it, people enough. People don't like me for me to, you know, walk in God's abundance. But he provided for it. So I'm just going to step into it, right? Well, my calling, my, whatever God has for me. The Bible says that we have been given every spiritual blessing, right? Every spiritual blessing is mine. It is mine. I don't deserve it, but he paid for it. So I'm going to walk in it. What Jesus did on the cross is not going to be done in vain according, by my life. It won't be done in vain by my life. The, uh, also with grace, I see it kind of like a road. And if you're walking in grace, you're on this road. But it's very easy to fall off on one side and be in condemnation and guilt and self-loathing. And, um, and then you can't be on this road. And people get stuck there. Or they can fall off on the other side of the place of like legalism and self-righteousness and striving. That's not grace either. Jesus did it. We don't have to do it. He did it. We don't deserve it. He still did it. So just know, hey, we don't deserve it. All the stuff, all the wonderful stuff that's been provided for us, we don't deserve it. But we can walk in grace and have it all. We don't have to come over here and strive 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 and strive. We just accept it. Our part is believing and accepting it and walking in it. Okay, so then you look at how God laid this foundation of grace, and, and he also taught us about freedom. So we have freedom ministry here. Freedom ministry would be our becoming a disciple. Becoming a disciple. So we're becoming the people that God created us to be by freedom ministry. Um, so when Jesus died on the cross... After he died and was hanging on the cross, the prophecy said that no bone of his would be broken. So, not to go into all the details because that would take too long, but a Roman soldier came and pierced his side. And out of that piercing, blood and water flowed out of his side. And, you know, people have studied why the blood and water and how did that happen. But that is significant. That is where the church was actually born, came out of the blood and water. And the blood represents justification of the saints. The water represents sanctification for the saints. So because of what Jesus did on the cross and the blood and water that flowed out of his side, we are justified, which is salvation. But we also walk this process of sanctification. And for us, we do that a lot. There are several ways that sanctification happens, but one of the ways that what we do at Pathway is freedom ministry. So freedom ministry oftentimes is looking at your past and going, where are the hurts in my life? Where are the traumas in my life? Where are the wounds in my life? 
what are the lies that I've believed about myself? What are the lies I've believed about God? What are the lies I've believed about others? And honestly, y'all, it's hard. It's hard to do that. It's hard to look at those places. And, and we don't want to do it. It's painful. It can be gut-wrenching. It really, really, really can. But that's the sanctification process to go back and let the Holy Spirit dig it up, but then bring healing to it so that the lens on our heart is right, so that we're not perceiving ourselves or God or others through a lens that is skewed or wrong. I've, I see people who've been Christians for years and years and years and years, and they get stuck in the same patterns. They get stuck not being able to move forward. It's because they won't go back and allow the Holy Spirit to search that heart and go, hey, this is, this is what you believe about yourself right here? That's not right. But we have to go back, look, what happened there? What lie did I believe about myself? And then, and then what does God want to say to that and bring truth? And then it's like all of a sudden your eyes go, wow. And then that gut-wrenching part, it's totally worth it. Totally worth it. Like I'm looking through here and going, you've done it, you've done it, you've done it, you did it, you did it, you did it. It was totally worth it. Totally worth it, right? Um, one other thing that I... Um, actually saw just this week as I was preparing for this. Um, so we have the Jesus is on the cross and he's already died and the soldier pierces his side and blood and water flows out for the justification and the sanctification of the saints and, and, and the church. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at, I was reading through Ephesians and Ephesians 5, 25 it says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, and he gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So if you look at, um, I have mine back there, y'all, right here. I, this, the, the part about having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word has never made sense to me. I like the washing with the word. Yeah, that makes sense. That we read the word and we, we, look, we see the sin in our lives. We see the places where we need to change. We hold it up like a mirror and we see how we're different. Um, and we change by the word, but the washing of water with the word didn't make sense until I put, or God, the Holy Spirit was like, when that piercing happened and that water flowed out for the sanctification of the saints and the washing of water with the word, that's it. That's it. It's the sanctification process and he does it by the word. So then I started thinking, okay, when we go through this process of freedom, when we are willing to step back and dig in and ask the Holy Spirit to dig up all the stuff and get rid of it so we can change, so we can move forward, we don't stay there. We look at it. We deal with it. We let healing be brought there so we can move forward. 
I started thinking about when I, um, I brought my tissue because this part is like, it's been messing me up, y'all, this, this week. But um, when, I, when the, my babies were little and I would bathe them, so I would wash them, um, it was always such a tender and sweet time. They were dirty, right? Like we were dirty. And I would put them in the water, and I would wash them. Their little, you know, little fat, soft skin, you know. It was tender. It was gentle, right? And when they got out, they were clean. And I thought about how Jesus takes us through those times that are so hard for us because we're dirty, right? We're covered with sin. We're covered with wrong thinking. We're covered with experiences that have told us lies about ourselves, and he's tender. It's just like washing that baby. He's so tender. He's so gentle. And we go into that water. We're, we're not clean. And he, tend, he tenderly, sweetly, gently washes us with the water. And we come out clean. It's such a vulnerable time because like, just like the baby, like we're naked right there in front of Jesus and he's just seeing all the yuck, you know, he's seeing it all like we do with our babies. But it's so tender and so gentle. Anyway, y'all, that's like, whoop, been messing me up. So we have grace, we have freedom, and then we have identity. And identity, this is, this is how the Lord has built this at Pathway without us even knowing that it was going to go this way. It's just Marty's like praying and hearing God and going, here's the next step, here's the next step, here's the next step. This is what I'm supposed to teach. This is what I'm supposed to teach. This is what I'm supposed to share. This is the vision for this year. And he's laid, God has built it. He's built grace. He's built freedom. And he's built identity. Identity is the blueprint in the heart of God when he created you. It's not what you think about you. It's not what other people have told you or what experiences have told you. Y'all, our experiences lie to us. They have lied to us. People have lied to you. They've lied to you. What those tapes you play in your head that are you're stupid, you're not enough, you'll never be enough, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you don't have enough money. You're not tall enough. Like, you have to, like, have the, like, little short little, you know, and your husband's going to laugh at you when you're standing up there. Those tapes that play in our head, those are lies. They are lies. That is not who you are. And the Lord wants to speak truth and identity to you. The truth actually is, is that in Ephesians 5, I know we already read this part, but in Ephesians 5, 25, just look at the big picture here. This is who we are. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church. That's y'all. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He loves his wife. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their own body, just as Christ does the church. We are 
For this reason, a man shall leave his um, father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Christ is the husband. We're his bride. We are his bride. What, like, okay, so here at the church, I'm Marty's wife. Um, and I want to steal that word, that phrase from, that term from Mark Miller, Mahara, Maha, Maharani. So I'm the Maharani, like a, a pathway, right? You'll have to look up what that means, kind of funny. Anyway, so my identity is, I'm Marty's wife. I'm also on staff. I'm associate pastor here. I help birth this church, build this church. And when God was speaking to me about identity, I was thinking about when I walk into this church, I have never one time asked anybody in this church if I could go get a bottle of water out of that weeky water back here for a dream team. If I could walk back there to that refrigerator and get a bottle of water, never once have I asked one person. Never once. Because why would I? You know what I'm saying? And if I walked up to our staff or to any of the dream team and I said, hey, would it be all right if I got a bottle of water? I was thinking through this. I know what our staff or any of our dream team or any of anybody would say. They would hear, oh, you want me to go get you a bottle of water? Because why in the world would I be asking if I could have a bottle of water? You know what I'm saying? It, that's, why, why would I do that? But in the kingdom, we walk around like we are not the bride of Christ. We walk around like we are slaves. We walk around like we don't deserve to be here. Like we walk around like that bottle of water, that's everybody else. Like I wish I could have some water, but I don't get to have water. But when I'm smarter, I'll have water. Or when I work really, really, real hard, I'll get to have some water. Or when I get to be on their team, I'll get to have some water. No, you are the Maho. Maharani's, like you're, like it's, you're queens, you're you're and king kings and princes. You are the bride. You are his bride. You're his bride. You everything that he provided for on the cross. You don't deserve it, and neither do I. I don't deserve to go get a bottle of water, but it's there. I don't have to ask for it. I just go get it. I just go get it because I know it's mine. I can have it if I want. Y'all can have some too. I mean, y'all can have, you know what I'm saying? But, and at the same time, that position that we have in Christ is not, it's not entitlement. I don't, I don't ever walk into the church and go, y'all got to get me some water. You see who's walking up in here? Where my water? I don't do that at all. If I do, somebody just smack me outside the head. All right. Um, so it's not a place of entitlement, but it is a place of understanding our identity. And with that identity becomes responsibility. So we are royalty and we have a responsibility, which brings me back to our mission, right? Before the beginning of time, God planned us. He planned pathway. He planned all of you. And he gave you an identity, which is the bride of Christ. Like seriously, if you think any negative thought about yourself, get rid of it. Do the work. Do the work to understand who you are. 
My challenge to you for this year is spend time with the Lord in the next few days. Ask him for a vision for yourself. Ask him for a vision for your family. And then look at grace. God, do I not understand that? Do I think that I'm not good enough and I don't deserve? Because it's true, but you've paid for it. Do I think I need to work, 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 and strive, 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 strive? Because if I do, help me understand that I don't. I just, I walk on this path and I accept, I believe by faith that I can have all of this. Ask him to show you that. Or look at freedom and go, okay, I really keep hearing them talk about this freedom ministry stuff, which we're about to revamp and make even better. Y'all get ready. It's coming. If you've looked at that and thought, I am not doing that, you don't be afraid of it. Because remember that Jesus is going to wash you, and he's so tender and so gentle. And he will walk, he will wash you. And it'd be hard. He's tender. He's gentle. He's loving. Ask him, do I need to study? Do I need to understand grace? Do I need to understand freedom? Or do I need, do I need to hear what my identity is? Do I need to hear that part about what my identity is? So vision and then those three things. And so I want to leave you with Habakkuk 2.3. 2-2 says, write the vision down and make it plain so that you can run with it. 2-3 says, for still the vision await, awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. I will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It surely will come. It will not delay. So the vision waits for its appointed time. And the word of the Lord is now. Now is the appointed time. It's time to run.